t-shirt or poster or sticker with the uh, red mountain sunset graphic and you can get the hooked on you single with it uh, on Bandcamp. and uh, sandra gavin congrats on your synth valley stream fest 10 performance that was absolutely epic with you and your band 
All right. My name is Karin Zoe Lee. You're listening to Night Ride FM, and I've got another guest on today. <laughs> this is July for me. I've got another guest on, and it's Beckett, because he is coming out this Friday with From City to Beachfront. If you like city pop, you'll love this release, and you'll love his past releases, too. We'll get into that in the interview. I'll have him on soon. But first, music. Music. Zizi sent me his new album, Chrome and Velvet, and we're going to hear the titular track from that.
titular track from ZZ's brand new EP out today, Chrome and Velvet. It's not on Bandcamp yet, I just checked, but he told me it was out July 27th, so <laughs> we'll just buckle down and wait. Lavalette is in the room right now. Thanks for joining us. Uh, he's got a new single out that I've played for uh, my time zone, but you guys haven't heard it yet. This is Lavalette with Higher Ground. <laughs> Lavalette. 
and uh, that's not on Bandcamp yet. I'm not sure when that's going to be released. Daniel, when do we get that? When does everybody get that? We'll find out. You know who else is in the IRC right now? The Tilt, and he sent me another track that is also not on Bandcamp. This is actually from uh, Skillshot, which won't be out till August, but uh, here's a preview of The Tilt's Out of Time.
was out of time by the tilt. And uh, yeah, you'll be getting that in August sometime, as well as the Lavalette release. He said uh, August 14th for streaming, August 27th for Bandcamp, Lavalette. Yeah, the tilt just gave me August. August sometime. <laughs> Take your time, you know, don't rush it. Get it well mixed and mastered. Also, the tilt, congratulations on your performance at Synth Valley Stream Fest number 10. That was badass. He had a full band too. <laughs> Oh, right. There's somebody I want you guys to meet. Somebody I just discovered. The uh, Jovian Kid. Yeah, he's got several releases out, but uh, just showed up on Twitter. And he's got the release uh, Search for Another Sun. And I chose my favorite track when I bought this. This is Cosmic Samurai by Jovian Kid. <laughs>
That was Cosmic Samurai by Jovian Kid from the album that he released last October, The Search for Another Sun. And for anyone uh, who's concerned, he's in Athens, Greece, so maybe he and Demi K will get on a show together. Why not? <laughs> that, that'll put Greece on my, my bucket list. Why not? Uh, coming up next, we have a track that was actually featured on uh, Forge and Neon's top tracks this week. This is Lavenu with a brand new single he just released, Plaza. <laughs> Thank you. 
Plaza by Lavenue. And uh, we've got like 10 seconds of birds here, so <laughs> Checking out Lav- check out Lavenue's uh, Bandcamp uh, for this single, Plaza, which is out now. And uh, all the other merch that he's got. He's uh, still got some physicals, some t-shirts. Yeah, check it out. Lavenue. Oh, my uh, Aztec dealer, <laughs> John. Aztec sent me something. They've got a new tune from Mike Haunted and Chris KD. This is a track called Never Ending Sunrise.
That was Neverending Sunrise by Mike Haunted and Chris Cady on vocals. And that, of course, was through Aztec Records. Thank you, John. Always keeping me posted. <laughs> you know, I've been in touch with uh, Jonah Walton of Titan Project because he uh, has been uh, opening his business, Arlux Studios. So if you need anything mixed or mastered, Jonah's your guy. But in the meantime, he sent me this brand new Titan Project single, Just Call My Name.
just call my name by Titan Project. And of course, if you, uh, if you need his services, Jonah Walton, uh, find Arlex Studios on Facebook. Coming up next, I've got one more song before we bring out our guest of the hour. A Dollar Underwater released a brand new track called After You. I'm losing I'm losing sight of you I'm losing I'm losing sight of myself too I shrink away in the rearview mirror Everything that I have died for I shrink away and disappear I swear there's nothing else chill out because Beckett's got this city to beachfront release <laughs> coming out this Friday and uh, actually I'm gonna play you some songs uh, that were not on the pre-order release 
such as this track by Beckett, Coastal Retreat. <laughs>
And that was Coastal Retreat by Beckett from his new EP coming out uh, on Friday, From City to Beachfront. And of course, my guest of the hour is John Beckett himself. Hello, sir. Good evening. How are you doing? Thank you for joining me. That's all right. It's glad to be here, you know. So we got a new release out. It's it's summery. It is. It's my new summer vibe. Yeah, very summery. Got to bring some joy back into some of the music. And uh, I just felt like it's, it's time. It's time to kind of bring that summer vibe in. And uh, obviously the nostalgia vibe and everything else that links to the kind of city pop uh, synth wave kind of crossover. And uh, this is where we are. There's a new album coming Friday. And uh, well, you just heard that. That's what it is. That's what it's all about. It's all about that feel good summer factor. I love that. I, I never knew what to call, you know, the artists who create what I've always called like daytime synthwave. Because <laughs> <Right, yeah. laughs> some of it's city pop, some of it's a little more funk. There's a lot yeah. of overlap, jazz. Like it's definitely a daytime vibe. Yeah, it's a fusion of a lot of things. I mean, it's it's something that you would play in the car going to the beach and, you know, just coming out of the office on the train home or whatever. It'll be something that definitely isn't a nighttime feeling. Yeah, I mean, it's a cross between, isn't it? It's like city pop and I think there's a bit of funk pop kind of stuff in there. And yeah, it's, it's a big, big conglomeration of things. <laughs> definitely. Uh, so when did you get into city pop as a genre? Well... Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. I've I've been listening to the city pop kind of sound, the original authentic stuff back, you know, the end of the 70s through to the mid late 80s. That kind of stuff from the J-pop kind of scene. I've been listening to that for about 7, 8 years now, going back now. And it's just something that came up. I was always interested in how there was this massive crossover of uh, jazz and synth and it was smack bang in the 80s. And you're looking at stuff like Cassiopeia and some of the other people like Takishi Kadamatsu and these guys, which I've been listening to. And their albums were just so lush in texture, so big in arrangement, you know, and clever in chording and voicing of what they play that it just really drew me in. It's kind of like, it's like with Steely Dan. Steely Dan's not really synthwave or synth pop in any type of genre, really. It's just like, it's this jazz fusion crossover. And, but hearing that in the kind of the J-pop scene, uh, it just kind of really drew me into it. I was thinking, wow, this this kind of fusion was always there, it just spread across different countries in different ways. It was kind of put across, and yeah, it's just another avenue. Something when I found that out, I was thinking, wow, this is something I really need to look into because it's just clever. It's really intelligent. The kind of like I said, the arrangements and the, the voicings and things. That's what really gets me interested in it. Wow. Yeah. I, I've noticed that uh, since your earliest album that I've seen available on Bandcamp, anyway. Um, you sort of zeroed in on uh, Japanese pop. Well, that's going back now. That's <laughs> just before 2014. So it was kind of like a, a mixture of, of sounds that I was trying to bring together. Um, that was the Offworld project. And that was the first kind of time I thought, I'm going to try and venture out into the world in this kind of synth thing, see what it is. And I didn't really know what city pop was. I, I definitely didn't know what city pop was. I didn't have an idea of what synthwave was back then. And I was like, well, I, I'm doing some kind of synthy stuff. It doesn't really sit with uh, any EDM or techno or anything. It doesn't sit with electronic kind of music. It's, it's in this kind of weird, nostalgic kind of place. And what is it called? And it was back then when I found artists like Mitch Murder and um, FM84 and things like that. And that really... I was like, oh, there is a place for this. There's a there's a name to it. This is what it is. It's synthwave. And then as time progressed, I got more interested in the city pop elements. And yeah, like I said, it a bit about you know I've been listening to it on and off for you know seven or eight years. But I started kind of thinking, you know, I can actually take some of the work I'm doing 
which isn't kind of aimed at the synth wave kind of genre or even the, the dark synth kind of stuff and actually twist it a little bit make it more of this daytime feeling, this office light kind of uh, environment and just something that you can easily listen to on a, on a journey or something. And that's where it all came from, really. <laughs> I love that. Uh, see, I remember I discovered you personally um, with your release of Tapeless. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it caught my attention because I didn't know if you were Japanese or what, but it did remind me of, because I, li- I lived in Japan in the 90s just for a few years. But oh, fantastic. Like smack dab in the middle of the 90s. Right. And it definitely it definitely took me back there. So oh, great. I just wondered if you had an affiliation with Japan, if you just liked. No, I, I know I'm very inspired by the culture. I'm very inspired by the music, obviously. And when I was putting that album together, I was talking to Cody Carpenter to help with translation and things. Um, so I, when I was putting it together, I wanted it to be as authentic as possible. And I didn't really want anything on there that would not be considered something of that genre, of that, that kind of vein. So having a chat, made sure it was all proofread and stuff for, for the actual um, titles and things. But it was a bringing together of the ideas I had for so many years before and finally crafting them into this one kind of album. Yeah, it was like crafting it all together, putting it all in there, and then actually sticking the City Pop label with it um, after figuring out that it could sit quite nicely in that vein. And other artists, you know, that, like I said, begin with like Mitch Murder and stuff, had started putting more of the uh, the J-pop kind of influences into their work. And I was like, yeah, this is definitely a way to go. It's something I can start bringing to the table here. Yeah, I was glad to see that you were uh, doing another one because I, th- I thought you were kind of doing the Mitch Murder thing where you had, you know... You're going to cover it in one album and then move on. To yeah, and move on. Yeah. Although he's come back with um, Then Again, hasn't he? That's a, that's, a, mm-hmm. that's definitely got um, City Pop kind of vibes with it. And yeah, I was thinking, um, obviously, in between Tapeless and this one, it's been on and off with um, how the synthwave stuff has been working. So what I mean by that is uh, I've changed some of the ways I'm actually performing. Because I'm writing, obviously, all the time, and I'm writing synthwave, and there are some things that I've not taken into account for oh actually this could be done as a live performance so i start tweaking how i write things to make sure that i could translate it to a live environment whereas the city pop stuff i've not really thought about that element i've just gone all in thinking this is this is what it needs to be and it's very interesting to try and take any of that stuff live because it has this different sound this different vein to it which is very difficult unless you have a full band and even a brass section or an orchestra you know some acoustic guitars there's a lot of stuff in there which which isn't really in the synthwave scene. Like I said, it's a different, a different feel completely. So, if, if we compare uh, this to your other um, city pop, how would how would this most recent EP compare to the imagery that you were going for in your other releases? Uh, well, the other city pop, so, so tape, this one versus tapeless. Yeah, like I wouldn't compare, try to compare it to Electric Pillow Talk. I can see the difference. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The difference there is uh, it's quite big actually. You, you end up with obviously the uh, the talk box, the funk, massive '80s drum beats, and yeah, it's completely different. But from City to Beachfront compared to Tapeless, it was a new venture in terms of um, arrangement and orchestration. So the Tapeless EP was designed to be everything in studio, everything synth, everything programmed, all brought together electronically, but paying homage to that kind of original city pop sound. Whereas this, I took this album into a different light. I actually started by going back, listening to a, a lot of the older records and seeing how they were 
were bringing in elements like brass, bringing in elements of guitar, but not like uh, massive solos and things like that. I mean, just very, very clean, very uh, well arranged guitar parts that just appear and disappear. And, and piano, going back to um, the original piano sound. You know, it's a classic. It's been around for hundreds of years. but yeah, it's, I love uh, that. It's it's great when you, you you go back to the roots. I mean, normally I'm, I'm pressing keys and it's going to be some kind of crazy pad or synth brass or whatever coming out. And to actually get in there and actually sit at the piano and think, right, okay, let's have a look at how these voicings build up and let's have a look at these chord structures. A lot of jazz chords in there, a lot of chords augmented. Uh, you know, we've got sustained, obviously, but building everything up, thirteenths, ninths, and some of the tracks when I was putting them together, obviously, didn't really have a name. I just knew they were going to be. Well, was, some of them are called like sun sunshine b you know b flat seven you know b flat 13 or whatever adding chords together and they had these weird names just so i knew what they were all about and they came from a, a different place they came from this piano based arrangement whereas a lot of a lot of the synth wave stuff uh, always starts with the bass comes in with a bass sound comes in with a, a real hard drum beat or whatever it may be and then i start working from there and then that's how you layer it you build on top of that you add the synths you add the talk box you add the guitars and bam there you go there's your synth wave and this way was a completely different way of me to work really i'm sat there with the piano and you know you, if you stripped it back you could do all of these as a live acoustic piano session which would be quite interesting i think it would sound very different from what uh, from city to beachfront is but um you could definitely do an acoustic version uh, that would be that would be interesting to hear i love piano music like yeah. if you have anything where you're just on a piano send it to me because i just i love that Wow. Well, back back in the day, I'm, I'm very inspired by Dr. John. And uh, there was a lot of work that I did in previous lives where uh, I've been, well, I play piano, you know, very influenced by blues, that kind of swampy blues and Cajun rock and that kind of stuff back in the day. And that is still underlines you know some of the way i work harmonies or some of the way especially when i'm working with a brass section or recording um you know several different um wind or brass instruments together and the arrangements of that kind of go back to the kind of the blues and the the kind of sometimes a gospel feeling as well with um voices and harmonies and things the piano i, I forget about it sometimes even though i'm sat there in front of the keys I'm, i I, just, I forget that actually this is a very powerful sound on its own that's why i thought well start the entire album off with city life you know that kind of office environment then you break through with the piano sound it takes you out of that industrial office kind of clicking at keyboards and all that. it takes you away from that sound and brings you into a bit of a more of organic kind of feeling yeah it does it's very refreshing to mm. hear a, a crystal clear piano on a you know synthwave track yeah yeah definitely
Were you playing in jazz bands before the whole Project Beckett? Not necessarily jazz bands. I've played in some swing bands and things. I was doing more of more blues, kind of bluesy rock, well, swampy Cajun blues is what we used to call it. It's like Dr. John kind of style, that kind of boogie-woogie all over the piano kind of sound. It was a very up-tempo, a very lively kind of tracks. But they, like if, I sat, if I sat there and played one lot of music from the old days, compared it to what I'm doing now with the synth wave or even the city pop, you just wouldn't think they're the same people. They are very, very drastically different. But bringing that all together, sometimes you take influences from the other stuff which you knew. Even, you know, some going back to some of the, uh, the classical stuff that I you know, picked up along the way. I'm not classically trained, but I do know a few tunes and you know, a few songs. And you think, ah, oh, yeah, that Mozart, he had a few ideas, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you pick up a few ideas here and there and you kind of work things in. And, um, it's all just a big melting pot, really. You take what you've got and stick it together and that's what you get. So is this Project Beckett the only thing you're doing right now, musically? Musically, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a few ideas. Some stuff I've been doing has been working in film and TV. On the other side of the Project Beckett is uh, working for jingles, working for uh, adverts and stuff, you know, things that pay the bills. So there's that going on, you know, mostly adverts in the UK and things like that on TV. I don't think anything's broken out to the States yet, but if it ever does, I'm sure you'll know about it. Those kind of things, the bread and butter of, of life, that's still there. And because music is such a heavy influence in my life, with everything I do it makes sense that it's part of my work as well you know so it kind of is not just for my own pleasure and making sure I get the music out of my head and out into someone else's ears it's all about making sure that I'm constantly active with it you know you just got to keep on going and something will pick up in a certain way and then you go oh that's a, a new project idea over there or uh, you go this this is actually going to be more solo this is going to be you know project Beckett this is going to be something I can break down and I could do it live if I if I wanted to or I could bring it back and make it into a studio album or I could focus it into a different direction and kind of focus on what I might do for a city pop album uh, you know different ideas come along all the time and, and I, I think it's not about emulating people I've heard it's about trying to be authentic it's trying to be yeah trying to be as authentic enough that you don't put it out there and people go oh that's just copying that guy that's just a copy of that it's trying to make sure that people get it and understand and they, they can feel the vibe I mean you know we started off saying it's a sunshine kind of album it takes you straight there it's quite nostalgic and you know you were saying about the links back to when you were over in Japan that's what I'm trying to aim at I'm not trying to aim at making people think that it's a, a, a copy it's like no I want you to feel like this is how I'm feeling about this music and how I'm kind of invested into it and I want that to be an authentic experience for you guys so you understand how it comes through me out to you instead of just going oh that's a, a, that's a preset and that's a, a sample and that's done so I get confused with um, with some of the stuff like um, Vaporwave that's out there I don't know I mean because you know, you put it back to the original speed. Most of the time, it's it's a lot of city pop stuff that we used to listen to. I'm not I'm not saying that um, artists don't put their own spin on it and make something wonderful, but I just I just get confused with that genre. I'm always going, hmm, how do they get around the copyright for half of this? But you know, you know, make it as authentic as possible, and don't try and copy, but try and get your ideas across how you've interpreted it. I don't know. <laughs> I just I'm just talking. I'm just talking. Uh, no, I asked about the uh, jazz band because, um, uh, you know, I've seen you streaming live a few times. Yeah. A couple times. And uh, you just, you look like a natural. So I just picture you like in the clubs on the weekends. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Your jazz band. I have been. I mean, I've done the, uh, 
I've done everything from the blues circuit. I've done everything up here, the rock circuit. I've uh, played in different cities, I've played in different countries. Music has been, you know, up until recently, it's been a staple every other weekend. Go into a venue, go into a place, go into an event or whatever it may be, either playing or, or just getting up and singing with someone or whatever it may be. It's always been something which I've been very active in. And like I said, it's not just Project Beckett, it's not just the synthwave kind of stuff. There's a lot of other elements I've been involved in. But the past few years, it's more focused on that synthwave kind of scene. And this is why I think that the, synth, the city pop kind of sound that's coming out um, now, this kind of stuff I've been working on, it kind of shines a different light onto more of me, you know, more of what I do. It's it's not like I'm trying to be secretive or anything. I just like to try and keep projects in their own bubble. So I know that I know where to aim them at. I know who's going to enjoy them most. I know what's going to be best for the kind of the recordings and the, the media it needs to go out on or whatever it may be. So there is, a, there is an element of like marketing, I guess. And I hate to talk about my music and marketing in the same kind of phrase, but sometimes you do have to think, well, I mean, I, first of all, as I say, I, I never I never do my music just for a marketing point of view. I never think of like, well, this is, has to do, you know, has to have 10 tracks and this one has to do that and it has to be named this because it's close to neon or whatever. You know, I don't go out and, I, you know, identify my music needs to be in a marketed audience. But I do know there are people out there that really enjoy my stuff and I know that that's my audience and what I've been doing to get those fans so far has been working and been paying off and you know people are listening on the Spotify people are getting involved it's just that I like to show sometimes hey if you like this you're gonna like this this is another side of what I do and it's not like put out there as the main album event of the year, but it's, uh, I think the city pop kind of stuff I've been doing is slowly getting there, you know, because the tapeless was an EP. It's, <laughs> so, you know, and, and one day I might bring tapeless and from city to beachfront together on one uh, mini disc or something um it can't be tape obviously because tapeless so it was actually going to be called digital workflow the original album and i was like right i can't it's too long it's too wordy i thought well, what else can i call it and i thought well tapeless workflow that sounds good <laughs> and then it just it didn't look very nice when i was um trying to convert it with the characters and uh then i was talking to cody and he just said well i just you know, call it tapeless so, yeah. mm, okay. That was cool. So, when you're working on uh, different projects like the City Pop ones versus, um, say, uh, Prime Time or Electric Pillow Talk, are you in a phase where you're just doing City Pop, or are you working on different things simultaneously, and then you just release them? Yeah, I do. I, well, okay. So I work in a bit of a strange way. I have what I call bins, multiple folders with different styles, different ideas inside them. So I have one giant ideas bin, and if I'm sat there at the piano or whatever, and I record some stuff, and I go, well, that's an idea, just call it whatever, that's fine. And then I go back, and I start filtering through. So it's kind of like having a, a massive space on my hard drive just full of ideas and different things then i start going right well this album this year is going to be um you know well like it was last year electric pillow talk it's going to be very you know funk 80s funk talk box is going to be driven by lead synth but you know some kind of maybe some new jack kind of swing kind of thing going on i want some scratching so i have this kind of idea of going well that's what the album's going to be great and so far i've done four tracks that i know would definitely be on that album 
So now I've got to start going through and I'm looking through ideas or I'm making new ideas. And as I come across them, I tag them. It's like, right, okay, I've got this tune here. It's a nice little riff that could be perfect for this. And I tag it and put it into the uh, a working folder inside of that album or that album idea. So I don't even think it was, I don't even get the names to any of this stuff until way later in the in the day. So it comes out with things like, you know, funky synthwave pop or something, you know, and you're like, right, that's their album, album number seven or whatever, number eight. I just start building them up. And that's how, especially with the City Pop for this one from City to Beachfront, I had a few tunes that are on there. I was writing them at the same time that I was finishing Tapeless. I think it's track three, Long Weekend. That one, the idea was coming to me just as I was launching Tapeless. And I thought, well, I, I, it's too late now. I'm not going to rush it because it needs to be, you know, it needs to be in the right vein. It needs to be finished. It needs to have a its own project. So that's been squirreled away. And then I come back to it. It's like, right. City Pop Album 2. There we go. That's what it was originally called. <laughs> I start building up the ideas. So then other things like the, the final track comes into play, which is uh, Beachfront. That's like, right, okay, it's so a Beachfront. And I really wanted to use the track City from, obviously, um, Tapeless, which is the first track on that one, for the first track of this album. So it can actually literally go City to Beachfront, if you see what I mean. It's like the... Uh, the two elements of the the names and also the songs going from one end of the album to the other but i thought well no i can't i'm not recycling you know from that one because that's already its own city pop thing it's already out there so i just start building up tunes and then you know a few months later city life comes along in my head and I'm like right there's an idea i like that let's put that inside city pop album number two and i keep building up so at any one time i mean if i just open that file there uh, i have the ideas folder hmm, it's some secret inside information here let's see what's going on okay so so there is currently an ideas folder which is called new album nine and that currently has seven tracks in it which uh, have never been heard some of these are classics uh, i can hear them already hear them already being classics and then, you know you just get excited about it so you go well, actually there's a direction for these tracks now anything else i write now if it feels good i'm going to put it into that album and start working on it and see if it can fit with the rest of them i build up as i go it's never just one thing and um there has been days where i i've kind of you know start off in the morning and I open a thing and i go right i'm going to work on the baseline for this song and then i get not bored, but I get kind of like distracted. I think, well, I'll come back to that. I'll revisit that. Let's open this other track from this other album idea. And I start working on two or three tracks throughout the day, just little bits here, maybe a percussion on this one, or, oh, this one needs some scratching, or this one needs a bit of bass or whatever. So that's how I tend to work. And then as I've got all the tracks in place, and I go, well, there's the magic number. There's number nine there for that album. That one's done. I now need to mix it and master that and get that done, get the artwork finished, you know, give them proper names, get it all verified and everything and uploaded and then start promoting it. So then that's where the project comes in. And then once it's out, the next push is right. Okay, that album's gone. What's the next one that's in the bin ready to go? this one it needs four more tracks or it needs you know remixing or it needs mastering or whatever and then you build it up and do it again you know in between main albums i call them so in between electric pillar talk and you know the ep that's coming out this week it's been an instrumentals i've been asked for a long time can you launch beckett you know classic song tracks with uh with vocals on but do them in a pure synthwave non-vocal instrumental versions 
And I was like, yeah, that sounds like an interesting idea. I mean, I wonder what they'd be like without the main melody lines. And it's really interesting. You, I've opened up some of these tracks and I found that there's a lot of intricate work I've done on, you know, arpeggiators that have been played in by hand or, um, you know, some guitar lines that have just been been there to kind of like help the, the lead vocal. But when the lead vocal is gone, you hear all these little nuances there, which, you you know, you might hear if you picked on through the mix, but it's having all that stuff in there. So, you know, there's different ideas. So that's, I mean, that, that was another album idea that was right in the middle of working on these two albums you know the last one and this one and um like i said now i've got two more album ideas that are coming up in the next year or so and we'll see how it goes i mean there's even a secret folder down there it says Shh, christmas that's what it's called <laughs> oh. <laughs> so uh yeah it's just got like a big shot at the front of it <laughs> okay i will um, be at your door in december again
going back to the uh, instrumental, you know, I had this crazy idea a long time ago and it was mm. kind of brushed off by everybody I brought it up to, but because a lot of vocal, you know, a lot of singers, when they're asked to take their vocals off of their music, they kind of do so begrudgingly because the label asked them to or something. Mm. Or because the fans are like, I don't like singing, including yours. Can you take it off even though you wrote it with the intention? So I was wondering if it would be, you know, sensible to put the melody back in with like a saxophone or a, a guitar or another synth. Yeah. You know, I've actually met a few people that have had big issues with like, well, that's that's my vocal. That's sacred. That's that's me. You're um, yeah. chopping me out. But the thing is, I I don't see it like that. First of all, I see it in a in a light of it's what's best for the music. And if I feel like it needs to have my voice on it, then fine. But if it can translate without my voice on it, then it doesn't need my voice on it. It might need someone else's voice, and I'll go get a different artist and work with them. Like uh, the album Five has like several different um, synthwave artists around around the world, basically getting involved. And you know, and then I, I always work with uh, Rachel Jones over here, and she does fantastic vocals. So there are tracks where I go, I'm not precious of it being my voice because if my soul is still bared through the track. It doesn't need to be my voice that bears the, the kind of feelings and stuff. So I'm okay with that. Now, I did think when I was asked for instrumentals of certain tracks, I'm like, okay, I can see why you'd like an instrumental version because, you know, you might not like vocals or whatever it may be. But it's also very difficult to then replace that with just, you know, I did try replacing a few of them with sax or guitar line or, um, you know, lead piano or something. Some of them did sound good. What ends up happening is, though, if you don't get the right sound and you don't get the right emotion behind that sound, you end up sounding like... Uh, one of those like cheap karaoke tracks you can download for 99p or whatever you know it doesn't mm -hmm. sound like any effort has gone into it. it just sounds like a backing that is null of vocal but if you do it right you can get fantastic sounds but that noise that sound that is driving the melody has to be something that is very emotive so a saxophone could do it although then i, I actually know a lot of other people that actually hate saxophones so <laughs> you know it's it's uh, you know lose-lose situation you, you're trying to please everyone you can't do that you need to see what's best for the track and yeah there has been tracks i've replaced with guitar um taking the vocal out and just replaced the whole thing with guitar and it's worked and I feel that that's good. But there's other times where it's it's quite emotive and yeah, you, you can't get the feelings of, of pain, sorrow, joy, happy. You can't always get all those feelings from a specific instrument. You know, you have to have a vocal to convey what's going on and convey the kind of stress or whatever, the immediacy of the vocal. But it can be done, it can be done, but just make sure you spend time doing it right. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit I'm one of those people that preferred um, instrumentals in the beginning. Mm. Just because singing kind of took the cinematic feel out of it. Yeah, that that definitely happens. I mean, there's tracks where you know I've I've actually sat there and you know got the like I said I've got the bins of the bins of uh, power over here with all the different tracks in, and um, I've actually got tracks which have vocals on them, and the final ones which you guys have heard don't have vocals. You know, they they never made it out the door with the vocals on because exactly what you're saying it feels like I've taken the kind of the cinematic edge away from it. Something that you could sit there and, and listen to with, I don't know, um, a classic kind of, you know, the 80s noir kind of, uh, maybe something like To Live or Die in Los Angeles, you know, Live and Die in LA. It take, take something like that and uh, 
play one of my tracks over it, um, you get that kind of visual element to what's meant to be going on in the track, which is fantastic. But sometimes vocals can completely detract from that and you lose all feeling for it. There, there is a strong decision to make, but going back to what I was saying before, you, you, you need to do what's best for the, the music. And if you do feel like it is all about what your words are and what you need to sing, then you know maybe maybe the synthwave scene isn't quite right for you. Maybe that's going to be more of like the, the pop kind of element because people do want to hear no vocals if that makes sense <laughs> yeah I, I like both now so ah good well good but they're you know they're artistic styles driven to two very different moods so. exactly yeah i'll tell you what is interesting is that um the people that have asked for instrumentals or people i know of that you know say try this one as an instrumental they've been in a different mindset when it comes to hearing a talk box or a vocoder so I don't know if people necessarily class the talk box or a vocoder as a vocal. I wonder if people are classing it as more of a, an instrumental process or an effect or something that mm. gives you this kind of, uh, I don't know, gives you a, a halfway between <laughs> instrumental and, and uh, vocal. Who knows? I think it depends on whether you're using the talk box more to use your voice as an instrument, like using a short phrase, you might be repeating Mm. Or if you're telling a story through the lyrics through the talk box, mm. yeah, it's just it's it's just difficult to speak with a talk box. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've I been imagine. trying, I've been trying for years, and uh, I think I got it. I think I got a, a good sound to it now. And um, I think so. Know, yeah, we were performing. Um, well, I was doing a, a live performance the other day, and uh, that was interesting because six out of the ten tracks were talk box tracks. So you, you keep on going with this tube and just see what you can make and. Uh, hopefully everyone can hear it and it's intelligible and you know everyone can actually get along with what you're trying to sing is it uncomfortable it, not really i mean it, it can be it what, what's uncomfortable is that when you're in a big venue it's different when you're in the studio so you're in the studio you've got control of the environment it sounds as dead as you need it to be and you can have uh, as many takes as you need to get the enunciation of a word correct whereas when you're live you have a massive space to fill you're going over a pa you've got your sound coming back to you so it's a you know it's the talk box is a hundred times louder and you've just got to try and make sure that everything you say through that talk box can be understood otherwise it just sounds like someone going wah, 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 wah. So and that's okay too <laughs> well yeah that is okay yeah uh, that kind of fits for the instrumental crowd it's um it's it's very interesting to, to learn how to play it and um yeah and to kind of get it to a, a point where people are really listening out for what's being said and like you said hearing a narrative through the through the talk box is a, is a fun experience because mm -hmm. you, you know people are excited about the sound itself and how it works and everything else and there's that mystical kind of element to it and there's also the kind of wow this, this is a pretty in-depth story coming through a tube <laughs> i mean if you can get it out clearly to the point where i can understand what you're saying i love it but yeah <laughs> sometimes you hear people using a talk box maybe they just started and if i'm supposed to understand the lyrics yeah uh, practice yeah yeah definitely and there's there's a whole there's a whole i mean for me i mean i don't know how roger troutman did it back in the day with zap and things but uh, you know, or even Stevie Wonder, you know, when they were using the talk box, it seemed effortless. You know, you could hear everything they were saying. Could be different tech, it could be different ways of playing or different control with their mouth or whatever it may be. But I find with me, I have to really enunciate more than I'd normally do. So you end up saying things which sound silly if you actually spoke them. Because you never speak when you got the talk box. You, you kind of, you speak, but with no sound. So you're constantly miming everything, but it has to be very well mimed for it to actually make sound in your mouth. It's kind of like a whisper? 
Yeah, but if you whisper, what happens is you get this kind of effect going on alongside the actual talk box sound. So it does sound kind of weird. So if you wanted to say, you know, California Love, the classic, you know, California Love, all of the bends and all of the controls and all the pitches are done by the keyboard. So as you're doing it, most of the time, you're not even pitching it. You're just going, California Love. But then <laughs> you're really trying to enunciate it as well. So you go overboard and you go, California Love. Gotcha. You kind of, you know, really kind of get those, you know, P's and T's and everything else to really pop. Otherwise, you just lose all kind of diction and it just doesn't sound clear. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, the quick uh, guide on the tool box. That's interesting. <laughs> those things are fascinating but they do look uncomfortable but i'm, I'm yeah. glad you tell me they're not so much no as long as you don't bite too hard and you, you get the side of your cheek or anything because you just got to hold it with your teeth you can't you can't bite it you're just going to kind of have your mouth in this constant state of agony <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's not uncomfortable after a while it's just agony it's just agony yeah to begin <laughs> with yeah <laughs> and the pain <laughs>
Well, I'm so glad you're getting back out there and doing live shows again. Oh, it's been fantastic. It's definitely been, uh, it's been great to kind of just get up on a stage. And the first, this is a, I mean, this isn't the first time on a stage this year. And um, going back, I did a few live streams uh, at mm-hmm. the Ferret in Preston in the UK and um, fantastic venue, fantastic guys that, you know, really putting on um, the need for a lot of musicians. You know, they we still need to gig and we still need to be able to, you know, reach our audience and our fan bases and people that are really into the music. And if we don't do that, then we lose our chops, we get rusty, you know, things slow down and uh, you can't suddenly play the ca- keyboard as best as you could. So you've got to keep these gigs up and, you know, doing the live streamed um, events where it was just, you know, me and Luca on stage and sound guy and venue owner in this massive space. It was interesting because everything was, you know, you play a song and there'd be no response. But, you know, on Facebook, people were like, yeah, fantastic, you know, leaving messages and stuff. And it's very difficult. You can't interact with that because you can't read it while you're playing. So randomly had people in the audience, or I said the audience, the two people that were there, shouting out saying oh this guy said this or they've said that so uh they're really loving it keep going oh, if i'd have known that <laughs> <laughs> it's been uh it's been uh, it's been really good to kind of do that and it's been a weird experience like i said it's it's an empty venue but sound is fantastic you've got you know all the data set up and then um now obviously we just did the uh the other ferret gig which was um on saturday and that was basically uh, a full venue um obviously laws over here for covid is starting to change and things are happening and people are double vaccinated and there's all safe distance and everyone was in a very kind of a conservative mood you know they were very uh, they wanted music they wanted to jump around they wanted to have a good old drink and have a play and listen and stuff so but obviously that a lot of these restrictions that have been in place for almost more well, a year and a half now it felt a bit odd to begin with it's like the first time we've seen people in a long time but getting up on the stage within you know five minutes it just felt like it just felt fantastic again because you you could talk to people you know you could interact with people and you could see that they were really enjoying it and i think that live music connection you know is something that needs to be there whether it be through a screen it is through like uh, you know radio show or through a you know, or even a live gig, it needs to be keep on going. You know, especially if you are a live person, you do all of that kind of stuff. You need to keep it going somehow. And it's been very interesting to see all that. And hopefully it's the, the first of many gigs to come up in the next, you know, next year. Obviously, a lot of gigs were cancelled from last year. Some big ones that were lined up. I was going to finally meet some of the, my heroes uh, in the synthwave scene. You know, uh, Nina was going to be there. Uh, a few others were going to be turning up. And oh. um, uh, it would have been amazing to share, share the same stage. And we will be at some point. We will be in, in next year. 2022 is the year it's uh, all coming back round apparently. So we'll see. But um, in between then and now, we need to make sure that we keep this live element going as best as possible. No, I can't wait. We're starting to book shows over here too, and uh, it's it's getting harder because our uh, main venue for Synthwave closed. Yeah, well, it, at least something's coming back. Yeah, I mean, a lot of venues have, you know, it's not just the venues as well. A lot of people that were involved in setting up these nights have, uh, you know, unfortunately faded away. They've not been able to continue going on with it because of X, Y, and Z or whatever. And, uh, you know, venues close down, things change around. And I don't know. I mean, it's it's good that we're able to come out of it and start looking for new things to get involved in. But yeah, I just think as soon as we've got, you know, a few more positive instructions on these restrictions um, and what we can and can't do and how it should be to keep everyone safe. I think a lot more spaces will be able to open up a bit more without, you know, a bit more ease, you know, making sure that we don't have to book three days in advance and then take a train to this place and get tested over there and then come back for another test and walk through this door and stick your hand on your head and all that kind of stuff. I just think we need to have a bit more 
like, bam, these are what you do. This is what you do. Wash yourself. Don't lick people. That kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I miss licking people. Yeah, it's number one pastime for me. <laughs> Did you have physicals for From City to Beachfront coming? Physicals, not yet. I'm in the process of looking at it. See, the problem is at the moment, physicals would be tape. That's what I'm going to be looking at doing. So uh, I did a few tapes for you know, Primetime, Five, Outrun the Skyline. They all sold out and went quite quickly. Uh, the issue I had with the tapes is because obviously everything I'm doing is independent. I'm not signed up to anyone else. It's It all comes through me. So I've normally been buying the stock and then I'm sending out the stock. The problem is the postage to a lot of the countries I'm sending to is a lot higher than the tapes. So that's that's where I'm uh, I'm in a bit of a quandary. How do I do this? Uh, I can't keep charging extortionate amounts for um, postage. And especially with um, Brexit happened and everything else that's going on with that. I know it's more of the import tax, but if things do leave out of here, then I could be subject to um, some kind of tax that would need to be paid for that. So I don't really know all the details yet, but I would love to have tapes is what I'm saying. I think that might be the option next. I still want to get some vinyls done. And I was thinking of the kind of, like, you know, I was saying about the combo idea, having tapeless and from city to beachfront, it'd be a, uh, a flip vinyl with one album on one side, one album on the other side, because the EPs aren't as long as the full album, obviously. So I could, I could kind of do it if I cut one or two songs off and have those as a bonus or something. But yeah, yeah, it could be something very interesting. So I've been looking at a lot of different options. It definitely won't be anything like CDs because I, I know they're making a comeback, but I don't know. They're not making enough of a comeback for me. Um, <laughs> maybe mini disc, but again, like we said, it's uh, it's quite expensive venture to get involved in. And when you're doing it all on your own, it's uh, it's difficult because you don't want to be left with stock, loads of boxes of um, you know whatever it may be. Yeah, tapes would be the, the next port I'd go to. I'd be like, right, let's try and get, um, you know, a uh, limited run made, see what we can do. And if they take off and people like them, then we'll see where we can go from there. I still get asked every day, like, you've got when the tapes come back in or you've got tape for this one. It's like, well, not, not yet. You know, I can't just do one or two. <laughs> I've got to <laughs> build them up. And uh, once there's a, you know, once there's a, a need for it, then I will do. I'll get them all done again. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. I, I'm just asking because, well, you sent me prime time. Thank you for yeah. that. That's all right, yeah. In the collection now. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, you can't keep those tapes in stock. No, I know. And and that's the thing. Those ones all went. Like I said, I only had three prime times left. And I thought, well, you know, I saw your tapes when you put them up on the picture. I thought, oh, you've got to have one of mine in there. And then, <laughs> yeah, and I sent one to uh, Ashley as well because she was helping with a lot of promotions and stuff for me. And I was cool. like, right, okay, make sure you guys get one. And um, yeah, uh, you know, I just got one sat here on the side ready for my mum. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's like the the elements of taking the music to a distributor and finding someone that is really going to work, you know, for their favor, obviously, but in my favor is what I'm looking for. I want to make sure that I can do it. And I've had problems in the past where certain companies or whatever have said like, oh yeah, okay, so we'll do this, but we have your backlog and anything you write for the next uh, two years. It's like, what? No, 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 no. That doesn't happen. So um, long story short, tapes, probably tapes. Let's put it like that. Well, I'll keep my eyes out. I would yeah. love that. That would be a pretty tape. A it would OB be. strip, maybe. Uh, well, exactly, yeah, because you can see on the cover, it's like I've put, just like put a fake OB strip on it. Yeah. I've been, <laughs> I've been actually designed a proper OB strip ready for I've actually got the tape 
cover designed and I've done wow. it already. I'm just waiting for the reply from the um, from the tape company over here, Bands CDs UK, and just seeing if they can um, they can do it for a good price. And I don't know, I'm gonna have to try and figure out what I'm gonna do with the postage. But yeah, I mean to send to send to um, to send to Australia. I mean I've sold quite a lot of tapes in the past to Australia, quite a lot of tapes to the states, and it's normally you know you're looking at around about seven pounds to send it out, which is about what nine dollars. So yeah, it's quite it's quite high to send it out, and then. Again, if you want it to be guaranteed that it gets there, because I've had places I've sent to before where they've just disappeared, and then I've got to send another tape, obviously. And it's like, well, now I'm losing out because I'm sending a tape and I'm send, paying for postage again. Um, so it's a, it's a weird environment to kind of work in with this postage. Yeah, I've been going back through um, the albums and um, just making sure, because I've always had this kind of, I wanted this certain look to them all. And that's one thing which is carried across from the first album, uh, Project Beckett, all the way through to this album. You'll see that they've still got, it looks like the Adidas logo. It's the three, the three stripes, right? But mm-hmm. it's, it's the Beckett stripes, we call it. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the Adidas logo or Adidas logo as some people say uh, but it's the three stripe and the Beckett logo the Beckett B and every album apart from Top Run which was the computer game every album has those three stripes and the Beckett logo and I, I've got the kind of the old school vinyl round border on the edges so yeah just try to make them all look I, ideally what I wanted to do is if I made them all into tapes then all the tapes you put them all together and they'd make a big picture uh, always love mm-hmm. that idea but yeah like you know like with the james bond series when you had the dvds or whatever right yeah, put them all together that. it made 007 big big letters across the side but um on their own they just look stupid it's like a, a bit of an o or something it's just like what, what was that <laughs> but yeah put them next to each other anyway yeah i'm waffling so um <laughs> vocal free that was it that was the instrumental album i was trying to remember the name of it it's the oh. one with the uh, drinks the soda can on the front i tried to do it like um, pepsi free back in the day Cool. Well, congrats on the release from City Thank to you. Beachfront. Yeah, that's going to uh, be great. For the listeners that don't have it yet, go to projectbeckett.bandcamp.com. Pick it up. It's uh, coming out on July 30th. And uh, he promised tapes, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. There's a maybe on the tapes. Maybe. <laughs> oh, if you choose to put out a tape, I'm on it. I don't care what shipping is. I, I do that. That's what I'm used to doing, paying shipping right. from you know Great Britain. I do that. No problem. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to at least get one tape made then. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Uh, let's play out with one of the tracks that was not on the pre-order release. Um, let's hear uh, Beach Central. And I want to thank you, Beckett, for joining me. Well, it's been a pleasure. For, uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's about time, I think. Yeah. And this release is just perfect. Cause, oh. uh, well, because I discovered you with your last City Pop release, and now you're coming out with another one. I'm like, all right, it's, it's time to get him on the show. I Good got six time. interviews, but is he doing anything? <laughs> Sounds great. I mean, I'm, I'm really pleased to be on the show. Thanks very much for having me. Of course. Thank you for joining me. And the listeners out there who've been uh, tuned in in the IRC chat or YouTube, thank you for joining us. And... Uh, this has been Karin Zoe Lee, and you're listening to Night Ride FM. And uh, this is Beckett with Beach Central from, from City to Beachfront. Have a good night.